place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Comics Listening to the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number sixty-eight. This is Chris Latori. How are you? Me? I'm good. Thanks. All is well. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to our Sunspots Comics podcast. This is uh, issue number sixty-eight, where I cover New Comic Book Day, August seventeenth, and it's a delicious pepperoni pizza of comic book comfort food. Let me tell you. Thank you for joining, and please tell us, uh, tell a tell a loved one, a family member, just someone in the nerd community. That uh, to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sunspots Comics. And also an announcement: this just in. I'm also now on Xbox Live. My gamer tag is Sunspots Comics, no space. So send me a friend request, and maybe we'll play sometime and like nerd out a little bit on Xbox Live. And thank you so much for my friend Nick Papa George for making our amazing Sunspots Comic theme song. Please check him out on Facebook at facebook.com/popds and Instagram at pop underscore d's thank you so much nick for making our theme song and also thank you to my son justin quote unquote jables latori for his fantastic work on our sunspots comic blog please just check it out from time to time it's blog.sunspotscomics.com he's working on a suicide squad blog that's the next one coming up and check it out it's good stuff thank you so much justin please follow him on instagram at just la kings thank you jables And let's jump right into Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 68, starting with some strange things just floating around in the nerd portion of my brain. And let's just be honest, it's about 98.7% worth of it. But the one thing first off the bat that's floating around there is that the Invincible comic book from Image Comics is coming to a series conclusion. Yes, cue the sad noises. (laughs) But in a way, I'm actually kind of bitterly sweet happy about it. I, you know, all good things have to come to an end. And it's nice that it's wrapping up. Sometimes comics can drag on for, say, two to five to 79 years. You know, it's it's so it's tougher to actually come to a conclusion that's going to be good. And these guys are ending it on issue 144, but they're going out with a bang. This story is, of course, written by Robert Kirkman, the infamous Walking Dead creator. And it was initially drawn by Corey Walker, who did issues one through seven and then taken over by Ryan Otley, who's one of my favorite artists of all time. He started on issue 8 and has continued on all the way now into the 133, I think, is the next one coming out. But Corey has actually gone back and done some of the recent issues, so he's sort of back. It's nice to have Corey Walker back, but I don't think he's wrapping up the whole thing. It's going to go back to Ryan Otley, but they're doing a 12-part end-of-all-things arc. And I'm excited because you know how Robert Kirkman is. No one is safe. You know, one thing that's interesting about the Invincible story and why I just seriously recommend it to you is that 
it's not very clear on sort of its its rating. It's adult themed at times, but at other times it it reels it in and it's it seems like it's an all ages book and it has just sort of clean sensibility to it this but at moments it can really be shockingly adult and gory and gruesome so it's 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 nice that you just can't put it in a box and say it's always going to be sort of like this because it's always just making these little surprises and taking these these just 180 degree turns in this comic and it's just been a ton of fun i know i'll miss it but it's just going to be a nice, like, go back and reread. I mean, there's so many fantastic arcs in this story. I remember one of them where uh, Mark, our main character, has to marry someone on this other planet. They sort of betroth him, his father, who he's having problems with, Omni-Man, uh, tells him that he has to get married to this this woman in this alien race. Or it's like a, no, I remember it's like an Atlantean sort of race. It's like this underwater planet, and she has to, he has to get married to someone there, and... That was just a great little side story. And there's just a ton of little side stories and space ex explorations that Mark goes on. And it's just, it's fantastic. Just a little bit of history of it. It's amazing. It started, it's first of his, actually Invincible's first appearance ever was in Tech Jacket number one, November 2002. And then his actual series started in 2003. And I just can't believe it's 13 years later. And Invincible uh, started out as this teenager. His father is this sort of Superman-like hero called Omni-Man from this other planet called, uh, like, Viltrumite. Or he's from the Viltrumite race. Or planet Viltrum, something like that. And it's first off like a coming-of-age story because he knows his father's a superhero. And his powers, powers haven't kicked in yet. When's that going to happen? He really wants to be a hero, thank goodness. He he wants to be like his father. He has this 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 great man to look up to as his mentor and a ton of it in the early say maybe first 20 or 30 issues is really that relationship between him and his dad and I, honestly it's throughout the whole thing it's that father-son relationship it's it's at its best when they are dealing with each other and their mother's a, a human so he's sort of half human half viltrumite and he has a love interest named eve who they at first have sort of a rocky beginning, but they really find love for each other, and you watch that relationship and wish the best for them, and you're constantly rooting for them. It's just, it's filled with good stuff, it's fun, it's it's going to be sad that it's, it's going away. So if you haven't read this, it's printed in every form, from omnibuses to trade collections to giant trade collections. I've just seen all types of formats. I remember when PlayStation was actually trying to push uh, comic books on the on the PlayStation Portable, the PSP, and that I remember seeing Invincible there, and I remember seeing Invincible in a sort of live action comic format. I want to say it was on Xbox uh, so long ago, whatever, for Xbox, the first one, Xbox 360 or before that, and it was like a live action comic with voice actors. I'd like to still find that. That would be kind of cool. But it's it's been presented in so many ways. And it looks like Ryan Otley wants to go and do other things. I mean, bless him that he's hung in there and for, for 13 years doing one comic book. And I'm sure Robert Kirkman as well wants to focus other attention on, like, say, Outcast and Walking Dead, to name a few. And so they are unfortunately putting this away. But who knows if it's forever, right? It's comic books. They may be back. You never know. So I'm going to miss it, but thank you for all the fantastic years, Invincible. 
of being this fantastic comic book. I'm going to go back and read, reread it, and it's just a ton of fun. I highly recommend it. Go get Invincible. And Ryan Otley's doing Grizzly Shark. That's one thing that he took off to do, and Grizzly Shark is amazing. Look on some previous pods. It's been pick of the week. It has been just a ton of fun. But, uh, yeah, series uh, the series will be ending on issue 144, but you still got tons of time to jump in there and have fun with it. So, Oh, and also, I follow Ryan Otley on Instagram and found on uh, through, the, through his bio link, it goes to his store, and there's a ton of stuff there. He sells original art, he sells posters, he sells a tons of, a tons of things. And the first thing that jumped right out at me was a, an item he has for sale, which is a one of his sketchbooks, and it's actually called... I just love uh, the name of it. It's called like Ryan Otley's, uh, where is it? It's his, anyway, it's like Creatures and Gross Things. <laughs> That's the way that basically the name is. I'm, I'm close, yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's a Creatures and Gross Things. It was 10 bucks. So grab this, he autographs it. It's a sketchbook, it's, it's gorgeous. It seems like a random smattering of sci-fi and gory action and just fun stuff. I can't tell you enough about it. It's It's super looking good and it's only 10 bucks. I mean, even with shipping and handling, there's only $17 tax shipping and handling. So get that while supplies last. It's going to go quickly. It's like one of the cheapest things on his site. So check out at uh, Ryan Otley on Instagram. Click on his bio. I'm sure it's on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. Go to his store and buy some stuff. I'm going to buy some more stuff very soon <laughs> and get it while it lasts. I know it's all limited supply. And next thing on the nerd lobes is this uh, comic series that I found called uh, MMD, which stands for Magic Must Die. And there's something really very different and unique about this. And what it is, is that it's actually a, a full comic book printed on the back of a deck of playing cards. So I guess it's actually kind of like part puzzle as well. And it's about 11, 12 bucks for one deck of cards, which is 52 pictures of art. Which I think is, it, it, that equates to a pretty darn good deal when you think about a average comic at $3.99 doing around 22 pages, 20 to 24 pages, you're getting 52. And I think even the Jokers so are getting 54 sort of pictures of art that are surprisingly well detailed. And it has, I, I don't know a ton about it yet, but it's just on my brain that I want to check it out. I guess I'll give you a plug uh, to their website which is worldcardexpertstore.com. And it's very, very cool. I, I, I tell you, it's, uh, the, this was actually created by uh, this, this man here. His name is very long. It's Devo. First name is Devo. Awesome. Vom Shattenrich. Shattenreich. I'm so sorry, Devo. I apologize in advance. And then the art is drawn by Jay Paratenets and fantastic looking art i'm looking right at it it's gorgeous i'm gonna buy some of this it seems fairly limited but i like it, it has this sorcery magic style even the box it comes in there's art covering every little piece of it from the edges to the top to the fold when you open the the deck of cards and you have to you know you have to assemble these i'm sure they come kind of in order but there are splash panels that combine four cards together for a splash page it's just a, a unique story, uh, art of storytelling. I think it's something a little different. I'm really excited about it. I don't know, remember how I found it. I think I saw it like on Facebook or on MTV, like this interview or something. But I'll share the link, of course, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sunspots Comics. But again, uh, check it out. It's again WorldCardExpertsStore.com. Comic book on the back of a deck of cards. That's just so very cool. And like I said, kind of kind of a puzzle in a way. 
but I'm going to check that out and I'll give you more information as it comes. I'm going to definitely try to get a couple of decks of it, read it, and hopefully it's a very good comic because it's a deck of cards. And how small and compact, right? To store it, can you imagine? Just a, a, the very little space it's taking up, but I hope it packs a punch as far as the story goes. So I'm very kind of excited about that. And last thing on my nerd brain is that I'm writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. That's right. And I'm actually doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing the art. His art is fantastic. Check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is friggin' ridiculous. Thank you, Jordan, for doing the art. And I've actually landed the website called zombiedestroyers.com. So check out that website from time to time. I have samples of pages one through four on it. And there's going to be more soon. So please check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time. And just a quick update on the status of Zombie Destroyers. I've actually finalized the writing, the, the plot, the layout for page 13 and submitted it to Jordan. He's already got penciling pretty much done. And that's the theme of page 13 is that the Zombie Destroyers team, this is their first time stepping outside and battling some zombies. So how's that going to go? Is it going to go good? Is it going to go bad? Uh, you'll have to see. Hopefully we'll have this comic book published and out there maybe sometime next year. That's what we're shooting for. So thank you. Check out zombiedestroyers.com. So with all of that, let's uh, jump right into some comic book news. I've actually got two comic book feel-good factoid freebies this week. Yes, what is that? Well, comic book feel-good factoid freebies is, I mean, there's a million podcasts, there's a million websites of everything that we always read about comic books, but I wanted to find something a little off the beaten path, a little different, and ultimately that makes my nerd heart glow like E.T. and say ouch. Yeah, that kind of thing. So it just makes me feel good. It's just warm and fuzzy stuff. That's a little different. The first thing I, th I found uh, this week that really stood out to me and really it, it moved me emotionally was from abc.net.au. It's uh, an Australian site. And it's titled, the This Illustrator's Family Finish a Graphic Novel About Mental Illness After Their Daughter's Suicide. So it's, uh, hang with me here, folks. It's heavy, it's emotional, but this 17-year-old girl who landed a publishing deal created this comic book about how she's battling depression and her, and her mental illness and her struggle with that. And she ended up actually committing suicide at 17 years old heavy and she didn't finish this comic she got all the way through it but three pages and her parents you know obviously dealing with this traumatic event sort of sat on her work for a long time until the time they they felt it was right and decided to hire a, a talented artist to finish the last three pages of this and then release it and her name is Mel Tragoning that that we lost unfortunately due to this horrible illness and ultimately the parents decision to release her work was so to bring awareness to depression and mental illness and that it can happen to people you love it can happen to anyone at any age at any time and people struggle with this constantly and it's it's really nice to have sort of an avenue sort of this creative read that you can that someone that's having that problem can relate to i definitely have people in my life that have had problems with that people i know and friends and family and struggle with that anxiety or feelings of isolation and depression so it's just nice to see something that you can relate to and done in an artistic way like her character here primarily sees these sort of dark images that constantly it's like the story is written about a little kid that's that's having this problem it's ultimately kind of a reflection of of mel herself and it just is beautifully drawn i think it's going to remain black and white and there's this beautiful scene like one of the parents talk about this 
this being their favorite page of Mel's uh, work, in that the child is laying in bed and there's sort of these dark symbols, beautiful symbols of sort of like miniature monsters circling around the bed. So it, it does have a spookiness and a little bit of a scariness to it, but it's also drawn so beautifully and shows this little kid's room and... I'm, I really want to get my hands on it. It's not available for purchase kind of anywhere yet. <laughs> I've uh, looked it up on, on Amazon, on the internet, and done Google shopping and everywhere. It's just kind of nowhere, but I'm keeping an eye out on this, and I'm going to reach out to them and tell them how excited I am about this project, and I'm sure it'll be available in Australia first, but maybe in the States a little bit later on, so I just can't wait to see it, and I hope that it's uh, around very soon. I think it had a tentative... Release date of like October, November in there, but uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't even know if this is a, a finished working title, but I will share the link to this story on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sunspots Comics, but um, again, thank you, Mel uh, Tregoning, and you'll be missed, and all of uh, my love and happy thoughts to your parents that have decided to share your art with the world and bring light upon depression and maybe help people that can relate to what's happening to them but yet again done in a beautiful artistic way so very very cool so that's my one comic book feel-good factoid freebie i'm sorry i guess i had two but i only have one <laughs> so there it is so with that done let's jump right in to my favorite part of the sunspots comics podcast which is my review my recommendation my discussion my favorite picks of the week of the comics that i bought for new comic book day august 17th and spoiler alert yes please be warned i really i'm every week i'm trying to just make sure that i'm just using my powers of persuasion to inspire you to buy these comics and not to spoil them or ruin them i especially stay away from the last couple of pages so don't worry you're going to be safe and i do it in a way that doesn't give up every single plot point i really painstakingly make some serious effort towards that so that it's just enough to make you want to go buy it and support your local comic book shop so that being said, I actually have uh, this. the favorite picks of the week this week is uh, I've read 19 comic books and 10 of them made it to my top favorite picks of the week. Also, if you want to see everything that I'm reading and all my favorite picks since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on the pull list, and click on top picks of the week. You'll even see that my 110 titles that I read, thank goodness, not every single week, uh, the list is there, so if you're wondering, what am I reading? It's there, all 110 titles. And what were his favorite peak picks of the week for, say, back in, in July of last year? Well, it's all there on sunspotscomics.com, and I recently updated, compacted, simplified the site. I'm super proud of it. Please check it out. Again, sunspotscomics.com. And I always, every week, pick a art winner and art cover winner. It's one and the same this week, which I love when that happens. It's Chris Samney for his work on Black Widow number six and the cover is gorgeous the cover shows the black widow character yet silhouetted and filled in the body of black widow natasha is 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 iron man flying across her body and tony stark on the bottom half and tony stark's mentor that helped him that helped him design the very first iron man suit built into her body and it's just you can't stop looking at it it's gorgeously drawn the way that the art stands out here in the light background but it's kind of a, a lightly shaded sort of crayony look you have to see it in the background of this pink sort of orange flesh tone and uh, natasha has this half shadowed look and iron man the older suit of iron man from like the 80s flying across 
uh, a miniature version flying across her body. Gorgeous, gorgeous cover. And I want to see this in poster form. You have to see it. It's definitely my cover pick of the week. And art-wise, it's just oh, the shadowing, the shading. It's not a lot of, of dialogue, which is great. There's just some great storytelling here and the facial features and the action that's happening. Tons and tons of panel panels on this. Page one is like 14 panels, I think. And the amount of detail they get into those small panels that Chris Samney gets in there, he really packs a punch in each panel. And it's gorgeous work. And his flashbacks are done in this sort of overall red tone. It's just so gorgeous and beautiful. You have to check out Black Widow. It's only on number six. It's a great story arc. And I will be talking about it more very soon. Because it did make it to the top picks of the week. So anyway, 19 this week. 10 made it to the favorite pick list, which is great. Over that 50%, which I always want to have at least 50% or more that are great. There was a ton of goods here, but the great ones, there were 10. And I really want you to check these out. And there were also two number ones this week. Just two. There was Briggsland, which uh, was was fantastic uh, by we'll get into that soon and uh, demonic number one only one of the two made it to the top pull list so i'll unveil that here uh, briefly to tell you which one made it so here we go this is my favorite picks of the week for new comic book day august 17th here we go coming in at number 10 is briggsland <laughs> so there you go it's the only of the two news that made it to the top pick list but hey 50 percent not bad Half of the new number ones making it to the pick list. Fantastic. I will be checking, uh, continuing on and adding this to the pull list. So Briggsland is from Dark Horse Comics. Briggsland number one by Brian Wood and drawn by Mac Chatter. Art by, or color by Lee Lowridge. And this is, in a nutshell, this is kind of the Dave Koresh story in Waco, Texas. Look that up. That happened a few years ago. It's like a family compound with a lot of guns, but this adds like a sort of gang organized crime twist to it, but in a, in a family. And it's centered around this mother who is the wife of the primary head figure of the family, of this gangster family, that has decided that she's going to take over the family business. She's going. Her, her husband is in prison. She wants to set the family right, or at least... Stop doing some of the crazy things they used to do, or so we hope anyway. <laughs> we really don't know at this point what her sort of plan is to, to change or correct or do differently uh, in this gang-related family slash compound with all their guns. And uh, we hope it's for the better. I think that's the draw of it is you do have a likable character in her, a mom that wants to... Uh, set her family right. She has three sons. The second likable character is definitely her youngest son who is back from his tour of duty in, I think, Afghanistan. Or he's back from the army. But you do have two likable characters here that want to set this bad family off on the right foot. So the initial uh, few pages here is the mother going into the prison telling her, her husband slash leader of the family of this gangster criminal family, organized criminal family, that, uh, yeah, he's out. <laughs> that bye bye i'm the new regiment uh mom be taken over and how's that gonna go is he just going to accept it no is he going to have a problem with mother taking over yes and are the, are the other two sons gonna have a problem with it absolutely so you're seeing a, a sort of complex family design here and how are things going to go? It's surrounded by violence. One son who is nicknamed the executioner is the wild one who is seems like this mercenary for hire just doing all types of stealing, robbing, killing. <laughs> 
And how is he going to take that? He seems like he wanted to be the one to take over the family business, but yet mom's just stepping in. And is she going to successfully take over the Briggs family? I'm not sure. It's She seems very... I like that they show her in a sort of realistic style of way. Like She seems very one note at first where I'm taking over. I'm the new mom in town. <laughs> I'm taking over the Briggs family. I'm, I'm confident. I'm strong. But she has a, a moment of breakdown here too where maybe she's not quite sure this is the right thing. And I like that. Plays her in a realistic sense. A multi-layered sense. So it's not just she's super mom that's going to take over this crazy family business. So... They add uh, some some realism, some depth there, and I really, really like it. So I'm going to see where this goes. I'm in there. I mean, you got a great team. So good job, Dark Horse, Horse Brian Wood, and art's fantastic, realistic, very gritty, but with a twisted sort of reality. Even the cover page, like they're standing in a river, but the river's pink. So there's some twisty twistedness with color that goes on here that I like So it doesn't so feel like the real world because it is a very sort of real world sort of controversial topic. Guns, family compound, organized crime, etc. Anyway, so that number coming in at number nine is from IDW Comics, Tales from the Dark Side, number three. And this is that New York Times best-selling team author Joe Hill, who has done Lock and Key, and Gabriel Rodriguez, who drew Lock and Key. So it's beautiful. It has that feel to it, but he t- he kicks his art up a notch here and has a definitely more realistic grittier darker sort of style here and this is uh, ultimately a story kind of of this this uh, dark event that imbued him with sort of this evil mutant kind of power to bend reality to whatever he ever whatever he wants it to be but he doesn't have control of that whenever he gets this high feeling of emotion things happen it's like harry potter you know with early on when he doesn't like the the chubby kid and the glass disappears and the snake's there. It's kind of like that. If he likes someone sometimes and has a good feeling, butterflies explode into the air and it's awkward and he has to sort of run. And in the other way, when he doesn't feel good about someone, bad things can happen to him. So he has this strange ability to bend and warp reality, but he wants that. And he has this also sort of this alter ego or this, maybe he's got multi, multiple personality syndrome. I'm not sure. Called He calls him the big winner. And the big winner is like, wants to protect our main character but he does it in an extreme way in kind of an evil way and he wants to surgically remove that from his brain he wants to have a a experimental surgery on his head he he doesn't even read the disclosure information as you see in the early panels he just signs it he wants him to operate on his brain or die and he's kind of okay with that and there's a sadness there about this character he just looks beaten up by it he can't get a job it definitely has some real world feelings here and you feel for the guy. You're rooting for him. That's the key element here. You do have a character that's likable. You want to root for. He just wants to, to cut this evilness out of his brain. Like a cyst he's hoping to have removed. And then he can live a normal life. Well, this place that he ends up going to. To have this surgery done. Seems like they have a whole other, other motive. Other plan for our character. And that they're planting some sort of implant into his brain. Or is that part of it? To help heal him. We're not really sure. But... There seems to be some people surrounding this event that have an agenda. And so where's that going to go? And we hoped that the big winner character would be cut out. We don't know if if he's still going through the effects of healing after the surgery or whatever, but big winner is uh, stepped onto the scene and is doing some just uniquely evil twisted things here. 
And I think our character is sort of still sleeping, or is he? Is he is he unconscious? Is he in a coma? We don't really know, but it's a, a twisted little ride, a very dark little twisted ride. So I would definitely recommend this, and it's beautifully drawn by Gabriel Rodriguez, just gorgeous, and that's why it's my number nine. So coming in at number eight is a continual contender that's for the last few months has definitely been on the top pick list and that is from dc comics superman rebirth number five and this is uh patrick Tama or uh tomasi which i've already forgot his first name and patrick gleason on art but he has uh, has patrick gleason or dc comics has hired a sort of art staff that looks very similar to patrick gleason's art because this is not patrick gleason but it's it's gorgeously done and it's uh, Mankey and Mendoza. It looks like there's just kind of an art team on this. But one thing I do like about it is these, these are these are these are by there is no way that that the artist Patrick Gleason could keep up with this. But it's it's the team that they've hired all have similar sort of designs and lines and looks and so it's not jarring at all where it seems like they oh it's a totally different artist it's not they all have Patrick Gleason's sort of sensibility and I really like that so this is the continuing fight against the Eradicator so it's a ton of action ton, ton of beautiful colors the Eradicator is still in the Fortress of Solitude while Superman grabs Lois and Jonathan and heads for the moon <laughs> and what's very cool about what they see in the moon ultimately is the moon bat cave. I thought, what a very cool touch. And you see some bat bots. That's right, folks. Bat bots. <laughs> he fills the moon bat cave with robotic bats to protect the place. And Superman's just kind of swatting them like flies. But still, very cool little robot bats that are protecting it. And he knows he just has to get Lois and Jonathan, his son, to a safe place so that he can continually fight the Eradicator, and that's ultimately what this issue is. It's uh, it's a it's a brutal fight. It you can tell that Superman has a lot at stake here, and he doesn't want Lois to be hurt. Eradicator has this way of sort of inhaling the, these the, all the souls of Krypton uh, that were at that were sort of trapped, I guess, in Kandor in the Fortress of Solitude. They don't sort of show that part in the earlier issues, but. He has the souls of Kryptonians sort of trapped within him, and that's what makes him strong and kind of unkillable, because you kind of thought in the last couple of issues that Superman put him down, but he didn't. And then you see uh, you see him swat Lois here like she is just a net. And I, I initially thought to myself, really, they're going to go there like she's the helpless mom and her, her family's under siege? Well, no, they surprised me. She grabs like this this Hellbat mech suit, jumps right in it, and it's a ton of fun, the action sequences here, I don't want to totally describe them all, but it's good, it's really good, folks, check out Superman Rebirth, it is a winner, absolute winner, and coming in at number seven is from Image Comics Descender, number 14, and this is written by Jeff Lemire, Lemire and art by Dustin Wynn, and this is some of Dustin's best work, uh, he's so well-suited for this particular title. This is the origin of the robot sidekick Bandit. And if you love the movie WALL-E, which I absolutely adore, this is totally for you. <laughs> it has that feel to it. It's it's sort of an, an abandoned robot on the moon and uh, everyone has pretty much died from this giant hulking earth-sized robots that have attacked planet Earth and, and the moon and killed most of the humans 
leaving a small percentage of humans left on the planet from that attack. And this is the lonely story of Bandit that sort of wanders around this moon uh, station there and seeing all the, the corpses lying around. And, and it's just this quiet, simple, yet heartwarming story of this, this loyal dog bot, I guess the best way to describe it. And how it's uh, trying to find its way or, 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 or just stay alive or, or seems like also maybe he cleans the compound because eventually there's, there's no bodies around and all the destruction sort of been cleaned up. And they, so a lot of time has passed. It seems like maybe about 10 years. Actually, I think it is 10 years because they show uh, Tim 21 and they show like 10 years later and he hasn't even budged or moved. He's still lying in bed. So it's, it's really just this quiet, simple story, yet there is some importance to the character, which I don't want to tell you as to what happens there in the end, as to why he's important. So it ties right into that. So you get this quiet, lonely, kind of sad story, but there's reason behind it towards the end as to why Bandit is important. But I can't tell you enough about Dustin Wynn's art here. He's just perfectly in tune with this kind of story and his his sort of coloring style that's very watercolored. It's it's just gorgeous and it's a little lonely, a little sad, totally on the Wally side. But if you want that, and I think that's all it's going to be in this little encapsulated story. And I think uh, you do get a glimpse of what's sort of currently happening, whereas the brother or Tim 21's uh, human counterpart that left is now this grown man and you see him trying to find Tim 21, which maybe good or bad he seems like he's very angry with tim 21 the robot centerpiece of this which is this young boy that has sort of awakened in his artificial intelligence but they find out that he has something to do with that giant the humongous uh, robot mechs that have destroyed the earth that he has somehow tied to that in his technology but just this great just get it for the just a wally kind of story that you get to see bandit go through and it's just a lot of fun and quiet a little sad but like i said Makes total sense at the end, folks. Hang in there. It's good stuff. <laughs> so coming in at number six is from Boom Studios. It's Kong of Skull Island, number two of six. And the art in this is amazing. Uh, the team here written by James Asmus and art by Carlos Magno. And let me tell you, Carlos's art is gorgeous. He was the art winner of the week a few weeks ago. And it is so detailed, so epically large. I like that they, it's called Kong of Skull Island, but we haven't been introduced to Kong yet, and this is number three. They actually, this, the, the story kind of focuses around these two warring tribes, like Aborigine kind of tribes from many, many, who knows how many years ago, are trying to sort of get together with, with uh, a sort of marriage bringing them together, whereas they take sort of the prince and the princess of the two different warring tribes and try to marry them together to ultimately try to find a way to work together because the volcano that is on their island, which they all live just way too dangerously close to, <laughs> is going to erupt. And there's one side of this tribe decides to grab all their Kongs, which is crazy that they have like a ton of Kongs, like seven or eight Kongs. Are we going to meet King Kong eventually? Or is it just called Kong because we get to see a whole bunch of them? I'm not sure. But they even branch out uh, trying to find an island nearby. And that's when they find Skull Island. They're just looking for another home. They're feeling like their home is going to be destroyed from this. They're basically living on a volcano. <laughs> so some of them are actually like, hey, we need to go find an island nearby because this island going bye-bye. <laughs> so 
That's when they find this horrible Skull Island and it has like giant sort of alligator, alligator water monsters here. And that's what the first sort of sequences are is they're, they're, they're trying to leave Skull Island. They landed there before and it's just chaos. They tip the boats over. There's these alligator-like iguana water monsters that are fighting the Kongs. They're the same size, these giant beasts in the water and it's, it's knocking the boats over. It's just so much just actiony goodness at the beginning part of it. I just loved it. And yes, the even the um there's even a little tie-in to complexity as far as the prince was in is in love with this other woman, but then they of course they betroth them to be married to the princess in the in the warring clan, so there's a little bit of sort of uh, a three-way romantic sort of drama, if you will, that's a complex uh, drama there with families uh marrying you off to the warring tribe, but man, like the the Kongs are just totally in sync with the people. They speak English to them and they take commands. They it seems like they're even happy about it. Like they're, the Kongs are not slaves; they are just like partners with these people. They're like part of their. They're like really super smart horses. <laughs> they like do everything for them and build things and carry them and sort of do it in a very happy way. They don't have to whip them or beat them. So an interesting take on. The world of Kong. I, I really am enjoying it. So, where is this going to go? Are they going to have? Is the is the, the volcano going to erupt? Is a war going to break out between uh, these two tribes that are trying to get along? And is the boat of Kongs? Do they make it back to their island to say like, let's just stay here because the nearby islands are a mess with giant uh, T Rexes and pterodactyls and all giant sized where they're just making snacks. Of all the Aborigine tribe-like people. <laughs> so, I love it. I say uh, grab it, put it on your pull list. It's a ton of fun. That's Kong of Skull Island. And coming in at number five is Claws. Number seven of seven from Boom Studios. Written by Grant Morrison. Art by Dan Mora. And Claws is the sort of twist, not sort of, it's a twisted tale of the origin of Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell you, I think... They've had some sporadic release of this. I think it initially came out in November of last year. And so we're at number seven now. And I thought, what a great little lead up and something to tie into Christmas. And I'll jump right in. And it's crazy that it's August and it's and it's actually over. And it's seven issues. Action pack. This is totally the action pack winner of the week. This is the fun and furious finale uh, between the sort of evil Christmas demon <laughs> and Claws. And... His love interest here, who actually ended up marrying this evil warlord that's trying to take over this small town, uh, had a son through him, and him, her and Claus were together, but she thought that Claus sort of murdered her father, and as she, uh, in the earlier uh, issues, realized that he didn't, and it was actually this horrible warlord she married. She's trying to get away from uh, the warlord and with her son, and he's not having that, and he summons this demon, and it's the final showdown. That's what it is in a nutshell, and it is just packed with action-y goodness here. It's, is Santa Claus immortal? You don't really know. Does he age? Is, if a sword goes through him, is he going to heal? Like, it's a pretty brutal, brutal fight here, and you, it, it, I love that it, Initially gives you very little hope that Claus is going to make it. This demon is just doing a number on Claus. But the, the town sort of helps and rallies behind him because of these things that he's trying to do and giving toys to, to children. And 
and it seems like the this evil demon wants to also have a sleigh and a bag where he puts naughty kids in the bag and eats them later. It just seems like it's just has a very Yule time feel to it, and the evil villain is kind of I, just perfectly suited because he just seems like the polar opposite of our of our hero claws here. So it just makes a great evil villain. So what a great ending! What a just a fantastic action-packed way to go and then um, I don't want to tell you about the last three or four pages but um, it definitely is a heartwarming sort of ending and how does he separate himself from this woman that he's in love with and this that has this other child and will they stay together will they walk happily will they live happily ever after and walk to, into the sun I'm not gonna tell you but it's uh, it's definitely has a heartwarming feel and just fun action packed and it's been I, I totally wish they came out sooner there seems to see some of those long breaks of three or four months not having an issue uh, but now you can get them all I'm sure they're gonna just put them in a collection all seven so get them I highly recommend claws Grant Morrison I mean come on ton of fun so coming in at number four is the joiners and I love uh, this Arkea title I, I hope that Arkea does more titles like this it's a four-issue series. This is number three of four. It's written by R.J. Ryan, art by David Marquez. And David Marquez has a very cool, almost anime feel. He does this thing where he doesn't draw mouths on characters, so it adds this sort of wicked kind of look. But some beautiful colors in this. Absolutely vibrant. Beautiful skies. It's set in this Jetson-like family. That's ultimately what this story is like. It's like a Steve Jobs or a, a, a George Jetson a story where George Jetson slash Steve Jobs is this fantastic inventor, but he's really kind of not a good father, not a good man. He cheats on his wife and and is just sort of open about it, and he's just kind of a douche. And yet he's this genius that's on the verge of unleashing this sort of like magnetic hover pack that people will wear a vest, a very slimline vest, and be able to just to hover around. And it's going to change the world, which he already changed the world with his rocket propulsion system and all of the vehicles. And this is this first sequence, this really uncomfortable, I guess that's why it really strikes an emotion here. This uncomfortable sort of sequence of him hitting on a very young, the very young nanny that watches his kids. Uh, strangely, the, the nanny is like a, she's a master's degree in psychology and she's very educated and, you know, in her young 20s and Mr. Joyner is, you know, in his mid 50s or something. It just feels inappropriate and feels kind of gross. And uh, yet she plays along and you can't help but feel she has like an ulterior motive, like her own private agenda. Like she even baits him on here and wants to know more about his technology. Like you just feel like she's hiring a guy that knows a guy. You know what I mean? And as they leave that alone, you're like, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> that was uncomfortable. Even though they have this like kind of sort of semi cute date uh, at, at a like a like a fair with you know they're on a on a Ferris wheel and uh, and so it's 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 semi cute I guess, but it just has this yeah feeling to it. <laughs> but then we get to see where the future ex wife is because they ultimately they sign some divorce documents. That's kind of the 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 underlying overall emotion of this it's like divorce and and a happy relationship that has gone down the tubes so it is a little bleak but mixed in with this he's a genius and he's trying to better the world and the way that the the setting in the world that it's set in is just gorgeous well we see that the future ex-wife here who in my way in, in a way they sort of had her single note at first but they do add some complexity and some realism here that 
you know, you sort of see her side of things. You wonder at first she just seems like the very bitter, very angry and future ex-wife and, and just wants money and to leave her husband. And, but as you realize more of how Mr. Joyner is, who's not that likable character, it sort of seems like she is the one that, uh, is the sort of likable character in this. And thank goodness, cause we're at issue three and four. It's, it's coming to an end, but you see that she's sort of fallen for like the polar opposite of Mr. Joyner, which is kind of this like goofus, um, guy that doesn't seem all that bright, but is super sweet. And it seems like that's all she kind of wants is someone to just have a good time with. And they plan this camping trip, which is awkward. They have a son, uh, join Mr. And Mrs. Joyner that seems like close to her new boyfriend's age. <laughs> so that's gotta be all kinds of awkward. It definitely feels awkward at first. And they're going to take like a camping trip, like an ex- a very expensive camping trip. And that they describe that most people don't go to the earth anymore. They basically live above it. Um, because it's very expensive to even visit the earth. Like what happened to it? Just kind of a little side interesting story. But the sweet goofus is picked up and then they head to this camping ground, which is when they arrive, the camp counselor is riding on the back of a giant white tiger. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, okay. It's just kind of the world this whole story lives in is really interesting and fun. But the trip is awkward. She's got her oldest son that's there with the boyfriend. who's kind of accepting things. But the, the boyfriend's, like I said, the goofus is, is kind of being cool about it. And listening to Mrs. Joyner's stories about how her husband's horrible. And yet they're, they're friends mostly. It doesn't even seem to be a, a full of romance. But, she, you know, he's just there for her. And you get some warmth there. And I really like that. And what's going to happen? Are they going to just have this ma- amazing, perfect time? Uh, on this crazy campsite with the camp counselor that's got a riding this giant tiger who knows and where is this babysitter that he's courting uh, on, on this fair going to go that seems like she has her little side agenda but it's all coming to an end in issue four or four in 30 days i can't wait i wish it was coming out like right now i just want to see it <laughs> Well, anyway, coming in at number three. So here we go. Top three comic books. We've got coming in at number three, Black Hammer, number two. And that is from Dark Horse Comics. And it's written by Jeff Lemire, the master. Art by Dean Ormston. And I really like Dean's art here. It is golden age comic looking, yet it's very kind of in the in the vein and style of Jeff Lemire's art. If you've ever seen anything of his, like Sweet Tooth, it's very shadowy and it has that twisted look of reality where the heads and the shapes and the faces are a little twisted and tweaked to give it this unique feel. Well, this in a nutshell is this super team. I, I normally don't like superhero teams that are very much a reflection of all the Marvel and DC heroes. Let's just be honest, right? They take a character and make it much like another character that's in the DC and Marvel world and name this character something else. So I usually have a hard time with that. It's like it's, well, it's just like the Flash, but they call him the quickness, you know, and, and it's just, just too many reflections. You keep going, it's like that, it's like this, it's like that. But this is doing something unique here in its storytelling and character development. So that is what really sells this. It's also kind of a mystery packed in here altogether. The super team has been disbanded and they're in this town trying to just hide out. That's the first portions of, say, the if issue uh, one and two or issue one. And now we're sort of realizing that maybe they can't leave this little town. Maybe it's, is it a prison? Is it an alternate reality? Is it 
An evil villain stuck them there. They're, they're just teasing, just tickling your butt with a feather enough to keep it interesting. What is this little town they're stuck in? So now you have the character Gale that's reminiscing about the Golden Age. And they sold this, show this beautiful, very metropolis-like city called Spiral City. There you go. Another reflection of a DC comic. But she's this little girl that goes to a movie theater, gets a ticket from this mysterious character that just sort of vanishes after that. And when she goes into the theater, it's this sort of wizard standing on stage all by himself, says, I am the wizard Zafram. And as soon as she says, Zafram? Question mark? Boom, she's hit by lightning. So she's kind of a Shazam-like character, I guess. But what happens is when she turns to the character, she actually does age, but the character itself is a little kid. And you're thinking, okay, that's fine. It's still very glamorous and still very kind of showing the beauty in that. But in this town she's actually trapped in now, she's trapped as the little girl, powerless. So boom, you're given some major sort of story arc there in that this town isn't maybe what it seemed to be. And maybe they aren't there out of their the choice to be there, this superhero team. Which some of the names are just great. And... So maybe it's maybe it's an evil it's an evil it's a layer from a, from an evil villain who knows, but this is ultimately the struggle that Gale is having being trapped in this little girl's body in this in this sort of midwestern town, and really she's like a woman in her late fifties or early sixties, and it's it's really a struggle to be viewed that way. She has to go to school and uh, and act like she's nine years old and she just can't do it she doesn't speak like a nine-year-old there's a lot of vulgar language there she's just really having a hard time with this early in issue number one i kind of thought what is she so upset about you know in a way i was like why is she whining you know like she's just this angsty nine-year-old but really she's you know this 50 60 year old woman trapped in that and it's hard for just to accept it and it, it has a real feel, a little heartbreaking. And then you go to see the uh, Talkie Walkie <laughs> and Barbalian does, trying to put together this satellite that they want to launch into space. And even they are saying, maybe we this won't even launch. Maybe it's just going to disappear. Or and maybe we're being watched. So they you have this sort of claustrophobic feeling now of this small little town that they're in. And I really like that. Jeff Lemire is just doing some fantastic, interesting character development and... The city is a is the main is one of the main characters here in Black Hammer, so I, I you got to check it out. It's a definite uh, easy high pick of the week, and it's just a ton of fun. The way that the characters are drawn, it very much has that Hellboy or BPRD sort of feel. And if you like that, get this, and it it will not disappoint you. It's fantastic. So coming in at number two is from Marvel Comics. It's Black Widow number six. And Black Widow has been so much fun with the spy espionage feel to it and this extremely little amount of dialogue that is primarily through the storytelling of the eyes and the action that's going on. It's so well paced. It's so much fun to read. It's it's only on issue six. You got to get this. It's the art winner and the art cover winner this week, which is from Chris Samney, written, by the way, by Chris Samney and Mark Wade, which Mark Wade, come on. So Chris has really got, he's hitting on all cylinders on this. Fantastic work, Chris Somney. It's like, this is his uh, this is his opus. This is his life's work right here. It's gorgeous. The opening sequences are Tony Stark hearing that the person that was the inspiration, uh, Professor Ho Yinsen, 
that what they were both trapped in a terrorist compound helped him escape by by building the iron man the first iron man suit was he because they this group that was the whispering lion it was was blackmailing the black widow and that if they don't if she doesn't do exactly what they tell her to do they will release her entire ledger to the world well it happened last issue they just laid it all out there and tony stark hears that she was actually responsible for the capture of mr of professor um jensen who is again major mentor major person in tony stark's life and he hears that and he's like whoosh he's off into the sky he wants to fly find black widow and want you know have a few words with her and that she's ultimately responsible for his death now he knows that she's not all that good a person so they have some interesting dialogue there like he knows that she's sort of evil are they going to fight it seems like it's going to happen i don't want to say if it will or not there's even an awesome flashback here done in all red where Yinsen's at a funeral. looks like his wife's funeral. And that's when Black Widow was given the message from the from the, the, the compound that she's from. The, the madam that gives her her orders to, to, to capture Yinsen. And so she the headmistress, that's right. And she does what she's told. And she fights these guys and takes him a prisoner in this funeral. Like he's at his... It's just messed up. He's at he's mourning, which seems like over the death of his wife, and there's Black Widow, swinging and punching and kicking her and everyone she's with and taking him hostage. And he's like, like this, you know, he just seems beaten down. And the look on the character's face, props to Samney with the art that uh, just this sadness that he writes on Yinsen's face. It's just it's beautiful, it's spellbounding, it's heartbreaking. But I love the whole sequence of red because it. It ultimately is saying, you know, she has that red in her ledger. This is what we're reading. We're reading the red in her ledger. And this is something she's not proud of. And uh, that's the very, very core of it. And Tony Stark arrives on the scene. And she was uh, pretty beaten badly. This is as much as I want to give up. Um, she's beaten badly in a previous issue, which you have to see as to why. And shes uh, you can tell that she's playing her injuries up here a bit and luring Tony into something. But what? What is she luring to? I don't want to tell you. What is she luring Tony into? Because he, fly, he flies on the scene and she really has an agenda of what she wants Tony to do. It's kind of a surprise, so I don't want to waste it. But their relationship comes into play. Heck, the Avengers uh, sort of ties into this, the Avengers movie. It's a, a complex relationship that they have. And some of the dialogue there is really well done. Props to Mark Wade and Chris Samney on the dialogue here, and it's just gorgeous and it's action-packed. It's full of espionage, and Black Widow is just trying to do the right thing, or is she? That's what definitely keeps this this particular issue interesting, because like she is playing that back and forth. Is she a double agent, a triple agent, a quadruple agent, a whatever agent? You don't know. She's like, uh, this could end bad, really bad, <laughs> and so you got to tune in to what happens next week, folks, or next month. And I love that it's on time, and the art is top-notch. It has been a, a monthly, consistent release, and it's it's standalone. It doesn't seem like enough people talk about Black Widow. It's it's a fantastic comic. It's a ton of fun. Get it immediately. Add it to your pull list. Go back. I'm sure 1 through 5 is already collected in a trade. Get that, and then get number 6, and jump on now. It's a good time, folks. You won't be disappointed. But the number one pick of the week for New Comic Book Day, August 17th, is Aliens Defiance, number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brian Wood, who of course just did Briggs, the Briggs family, uh, Briggsland, and art by Ricardo Bertorelli. 
Sorry if I mispronounced that. And I was a little surprised that uh, Mr. Tyrone Jones, I think, was the artist last time on 1 and 2. Was not the artist here, but this artist was right in the vein of... of of, uh, I follow him on Instagram. I want to say Ty- Tyranno Jones, but I think it's just Tyrone Jones. But beautiful, beautiful dark art here, and this really—it just has this great immersive feel. I mean, if you like the Alien franchise movies, Alien and Aliens, like Part One and Part Two, this absolutely has that feel. But then, kind of a twisted, unique feel of its own with the new character that's introduced and the synthoid bots in this that are unique in that they've sort of some of the characters have awakened in their artificial intelligence and don't want to plug into the mother computer to where they will get downloaded the latest updates and be subject to just being uh, under orders and do whatever the the uh, major corporation uh, tells them to do and so it's like this marine colonel zulu hendrix is uh, actually now this the the Davis units are now considered AWOL. These synthoids are considered AWOL, and that she's basically on the hunt on the trail for the alien species. This is sort of I don't know where it ties into the movie franchise, but it seems like the exposure to aliens is kind of early in where this is written in as far as the time frame goes, because the corporation. Uh, want that is controlling them wants them to bring one back alive so it's still sort of in that in that time frame and uh, what's the name oh it's Wayland Utani and that's the bazillion dollar corporation that really wants to capture weaponize an alien species and so the Davis bots are AWOL she's has this horrible sort of back injury and the, the opening sequence is is really sort of just kind of painful the way it's described the davis bot is trying this sort of acupuncture like sort of procedure and surgery because this this zulu can hardly walk if she doesn't have sort of procedures done on her back and i said that's a unique twist on a character most of the time you read a comic book right they're they're strong they're powerful they have no physical sort of issues or limitations she most definitely has a physical limitation here her back is is a, a character in this and you wonder and you worry and you is she gonna make this she's like traveling throughout the galaxy so as she is put into hypersleep and she awakens to find out that only one davis bot remains and the rest have decided to plug into the mother system take orders and kill zulu and kill everyone else and just take the alien species and bring it back to earth and so the one davis unit we'll call davis 01 who wears glasses thank goodness you can tell them apart because they all look the same has uh, put down Mutiny 1, he calls it, and now he's fighting Mutiny 2. So there's a few Davis bots left that do not agree with him and that want to just end him and end her and take the alien species hostage. Well, so they're just going against uh, the corporation's wishes here and they're just trying to wipe out any alien colony they find. So I just love the simplicity of the story, the, just the premise. Like I said, it has the Alien slash Aliens Part 2 of the movie franchise feel to it, yet with Zulu, who seems an interesting character that's flawed, that definitely has some issues, and not just physical, but but mental. And now this, this Davis 1 bot with glasses, Davis 1 glasses, is trying to convince her that kind of everything is fine, and while you were sleeping, all this happened. Like, she's going, man, I should just not sleep on this thing, but 
who knows how many light years they travel or how many years it takes you don't that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about this you don't know how many years have passed since she left her home station but this is uh, a fight between the other Davis uh, synthoids and Davis one glasses and he's protecting her he's he knows that she's physically injured, but it's a it's a battle, it's a throwdown. And do aliens jump into the mix of it? Uh, well, you know, they seem to always turn up at the worst times. But then the Davis bots are trying to send this transmission to another to another outpost to get more Davis bots to back them up. Are they going to be able to stop that transmission? I don't know. You know, you gotta read it. It's great. It's just action packed. It has this that dark alien premise to it, but you're really rooting for Zulu. You just I can totally see a movie of this, a TV show, a something. She's an interesting character. I want to see more. It's just It just seems like a ton of alien fun. This would be a great movie. I hope they decide to... This is the next Aliens movie after they do the Prometheus thing. I know they're going to still do that. But anyway, number one pick of the week, easy. Aliens Defiance, number three. And it's been a fantastic ride. I don't know if they are going to... How ongoing this is, or if it's just a mini, they don't have the 3 of 7 or 3 of 10 or anything like that yet. They probably just want to see where this is going. I hope uh, uh, Mr. Jones is back next issue. The art was fantastic here, though, but his Mr. Jones's art is phenomenal, amazing, beautiful. Uh, I like him on uh, Instagram. You can find him there. It's like Tyrone Jones, at Tyrone Jones. And if I miss that, just check out my Instagram. You'll see it, but... There you go, folks. There's the top picks of the week. Those are all my recommendations for new comic book, comic book day, August 17th. Please go to a local comic book shop and buy those immediately. Add them to your pull list. Go look at sunspotscomics.com. You'll see the, the pull list and everything there and all the top picks of the weeks, uh, past weeks on my website. And also, if you'd like, uh, if you have questions or you want to make a comment or maybe you just want a personal comic book recommendation, just email me, email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email and discuss it on a podcast, I'll actually send you a little comic book free prize just as a personal thank you for me. And sign up for our newsletter, sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And definitely tune in next week. There's 14 comics this week, which is nice. There was 19 this week, so 14 next week for uh, New Comic Book Day, August 24th. So that's a, that's a pretty hefty. Number 14 seems to be like the last four or five, six weeks. And there's four new number ones next week that I hope to check out. That I hope my local comic book shop will grab for me and have so I can take a peek and see if and hopefully buy them and then tell you all about them. But thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you really just want to help, just uh, go to iTunes and give us a positive review with five stars. I'd really, really appreciate that. And I will actually speak out to it and personally thank you right here on a future podcast. So please help us out and go to iTunes and give us a five-star positive review. We'd appreciate it. And thank you. So I'll see you next week. And please, of course, don't forget to be water, my friends. That's right. Be water. See you all later. Goodbye.
Thoughts Comics Hey, how you doing? <laughs> well, hello, and you are listening to the Sun's Pots Com- Pots Sun Pots Pots and Pans. <laughs> 